you'd like to contact the show, send us an email at liveonfourlegspodcast at gmail.com or follow us on any of our social media accounts on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Live on Four Legs Podcast and on Twitter at Live on Four Legs Pod. Listening to Live on Four Legs, the live Pearl Jam podcast experience, featuring Mr. Stone Gossett. everybody now welcome to live on four legs the definitive live pearl jam podcast and whether you're tuning in for the first time or the 73rd time as we embark on our 73rd episode today welcome back everybody and thank you for listening in today's episode we are doing is part of our around the world series focusing on stockholm sweden from 1992 an interesting time period in the band as they were a couple weeks off of pink pop going into what was really like their prime area right here this is the prime time period for the band and you know this there's a lot to talk about with this time period and and some things that happened and some things that didn't happen so uh there's a lot to talk about today because we're going to talk about gigaton 2 because obviously that's out now and everybody's got something to say about it so we're going to share our piece randy sobel here john farrer over there hello sir hello and welcome to the we live in a life where gigaton is a record now this is the first episode where we can say that yeah now the the countdown's on till lp12 right i i suppose so i don't know <laughs> uh man it, on average if it started out on average of being like a year or 16 months and then kind of slowly turned to every 3 years and then kind of somewhere turned into 7 what average are we looking at for number 12 now? Is yeah. it another decade before we get one? Well, I mean, they, they've got time and they've got the means to still send stuff back and forth to each other during this, you know, quarantine, social sure. distancing time. So, And, you know, there were we know there were songs left over from the sessions. So stray I got to think like, stray like cats, with cats. even like something like Clairvoyance, like where they weren't, we found out they weren't even in the studio at the same time. You know they they were practicing social distancing before it was cool, um, <laughs> so I think yeah I think there's you know like guys come on let's let's get back to it let's get, they've always said like oh we want to we're always we're about the music we want to focus on new stuff we, we want to keep moving forward like now's your chance put your money where your mouth is let's let's get let's get another album going. 
Yeah, considering Eddie's written songs called In My Tree and In Hiding, yeah. uh, they've been doing this social distancing thing for a while. And it seems like we're going to be doing it for a while, too, because it's just not really an end in sight as uh, we are here. Yeah, in we mean three or Yeah, four. we hope you guys are staying safe, being smart. You know, yeah. it, it definitely... Mm-hmm definitely take it seriously it's uh it's getting rough out there so hopefully uh you're getting a chance to listen hopefully we can be a little distraction for you for a little while absolutely and like we said there's an album out now so hopefully that's your main distraction and uh since it's out now and we've shared our our thoughts and our opinions on on facebook and twitter but let's kind of dig into it a little bit here and first question did it meet or exceed your expectations yeah it's it's weird because did it fall short it's see it's it's been a roller coaster because at the very beginning when they announced the album before we heard dance of the clairvoyance i was like hype level 10 like new music i'm all in like it's been so long can't wait to hear what they've been doing you know just give me give me something like starved for something new you know then when i heard dance of the clairvoyance it was like you know we talked about it on the episode we did about it for patreon it's like eh, you know if this is if this is where we're going then you know we'll, i guess we'll we'll see how it goes but that kind of like that tempered my my hype a little bit and then uh super blood wolf moon came out i i still just don't like that song like i think it's the worst one on the album so that kind of that dropped my hype level down a little more so I, it's I grown into, on me a little bit yeah, yeah, it's good for you. Um, and, and and I'm not saying that I I love yeah. the song. I still yeah. think it's like not that great of a song, but it's yeah. turned into a guilty pleasure, so to speak. Yeah, and it's I mean it's it's fine for what it is. It's it's a song that could have been on Backspacer, but I think that going into the album, I you know so I I came into it kind of like not really knowing what to expect, and I actually like some of it a lot more than I expected to. And I like some of it just the same amount that I thought I would. So overall, I guess that's somewhere, somewhere above average. Like some of the songs I'm really impressed with, and I really think are going to be, be really fun to, to get into and, and hear live and even, you know, repeated listens on the, on the record. But yeah, I mean, there's, there's three or four really great songs and that's all you can ask for. I kind of tempered my expectations too after Super Blood Wolf Moon because I just like like you I, I did not like it when it first came out and right now like I, I I just like you know the pace of the song really I I don't like any of the lyrics I don't think it makes any sense but it it's it's good to kind of jam out to and I I'm sort of you know that that's what I've I've fallen into when and hearing the song and now that I can hear it in between whoever said which is great and dance of the clairvoyance, which I still love. I think it fits in really well and it kind of gives you exactly what you want in terms of album flow. But, uh, you know, the expectations after that did temper a little bit and I was just kind of like, okay, maybe this album isn't for me. And then, you know what? I think overall, I think they met the expectations exceeding them just a little bit. I think production value definitely exceeded my expectations, even though I knew after hearing Dance mm. of the Clairvoyance that the production value was going to be something really special on this. Um, but 
Yeah, I so I even think it's a little I even think it's a little overproduced. Like I'm I don't I'm not mind overproducing on, on on Josh Evans. Yeah, it's, it's not my favorite. I'm, I prefer a more raw kind of live sound, but uh we'll we'll see. I got to uh, I got to give it a few more spins on the turntable to really get into it with my good speakers. But yeah, I think uh I think uh Super Blood Wolf Moon is is the fixer of this album. Probably. I think it's yeah, it's gonna be. It's gonna have. It's gonna be the catchy one, and then I don't think it's gonna have. It's a gonna long lose steam. Shelf life. I kind of agree with you yeah. with that. It's gonna lose steam, especially live. You know, they're gonna play it every single night, and then the crowd's not gonna react to it after a while. So, uh, you know, yeah. it is what it is, and and enjoy it for now. And but there there are a lot of keepers from the album. Like real quick, what do you think are gonna be the best of the live songs from it? Or what are you most expecting? Ooh, I think, uh, yeah, I think whoever said is going to be is going to be great. It's going to be early in the set. Um, that's going to be one really fun. It's gonna it's gonna kick off. It's going to be the one that that most people hear hear first because it's going to be probably the first live the first new song played live every show, uh, barring you know a couple of exceptions here and there. That one I'm really excited for. Uh, River Cross, of course, I absolutely love. I think that's going to be really special with the way it ends, and he's going to have the whole crowd singing. It's going to be a, a special moment. And uh, All Right, I think, is is one of my favorites, too. That's that's in my top two or three on this record. Uh, I'm really excited to, to hear how that one comes out. Whoever said is definitely interesting to me, and there are parts that I see within the song that I think could be extended and that part at the end where they kind of stop and they go back into like a little extra look. And I kind of, you know, the first thing in yeah. my head is uh, no effects is sticking in my eye. But I know that there's a better <laughs> example than that. Uh, that's like more of, you know, a, a traditional rock song that, that does that. But I think that that little last part with the sting... I think that they can go on an extra minute or so or kind of do a tag off of it or something like that. I think that's something kind of cool to anticipate. I don't know if you noticed in Never Destination, but there's a part of the song that kind of sounds like it's almost the rearview mirror type uh, when they're going through the through the bridge, almost almost like that jam that they do on rearview mirror. I'm, I'm interested to see if they extend upon that live too. Do you know what I'm talking about there? Well, I think I don't think you're going to get that right away, but I think that's something to look for in the people, in the tours react coming up in the next couple of years. If people react to it, yeah, I think it. You know, at first you're going to get you're going to get fairly straightforward versions as as they as they get into more like sound checks and and doing things out and playing it. You know, you know, live more and playing around with it and talking about it and feeling how it how that plays out then in the next couple of years i think that'll be interesting to see which songs kind of take on that you know like kind of lightning bolt did and sirens where he, he added that little extra acoustic part sure. at the end. it'll be yeah, interesting yeah, yeah, to see yeah. what little what little add-ons we get in the next couple of years to these songs yeah that will that, you know that's part of the fun with this is just what's going to remain i think yeah. i think a song like take the long way is not for the live stage, it's just got too many, you know, riff changes and things like that. Um, I don't see them playing uh, all right too much or buckle up too much. I, I think they're going to happen, but they're going to, 
you know, it, they're going to kind of be, I guess, like the same amount of times as like my father's son or swallowed whole or something like that. Sure. I, I, you know, sure. but we'll, we'll see how that, I buckle up to me is kind of like the speed of sound on this album. Ooh, hard disagree. Buckle up is my favorite song. On this well, I'm not, I do not like speed of sound. Well, I, no, I, I like speed of sound, but I'm saying live, I think it's going to be tough. It was always tough for them to get speed of sound together live. And I feel like buckle up's got kind of that ongoing progression in it where it's just a little, you know, they could get a little bit behind and they might not like their versions as much as the crowd might. Well, hopefully, hopefully they're practicing over, over Skype right now. <sighs> well, they're not doing it in chat rooms. That's, <laughs> that's for sure. Um, yeah, no. Yeah. I think there are a lot of things to anticipate though. And I think, you know, seven o'clock could be a really epic live song. Uh, retrograde could be really something special if uh, if they place it in the right spots. But there there are a lot of and even even something like like comes then goes where it's gonna sit in that that encore acoustic spot. It's gonna be it's gonna be a cool moment. I'm excited to to see kind of where these all fit in and if if our kind of predictions are based on you know sometimes they say you know. Past performance does not indicate future results. Sometimes we'll they see. said, we'll whoever said. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll see how that all plays out. And maybe we'll we'll take a bite from uh, this conversation when it does happen. And we'll be able to go back and say, yeah, we were right or we were absolutely wrong. So that yeah. that is uh, that is for the future. Maybe the, Maybe they'll come out and just play the whole album straight through every night. All right, before we get into talking about the show, obviously got to plug a little bit of Patreon. Right now, if you head over to our Patreon, we have a brand new episode that is kind of fitting in with our Around the World special. It's it's a nine-song set that they did in Finland, in Helsinki, Finland, in 1993, opening up for Neil Young. There's nothing too spectacular about it, and I know... I should be kind of, you know, pumping it up and saying, ah, the Finland, ah, you know, go to Patreon and subscribe to Patreon. But we, we, it's the only show that's ever been done in Finland. So I think, you know, we had the bootleg and the credit to that show to, to just get it in there and, and maybe, you know, get the fourth version ever of glorified G and, 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 uh, throw it out there for you guys. And again, it's well, just, you know, and, and too, I'll, I'll, I'll tease a little bit. There's a really good version of black in that show and a really good version of porch so if you're into that that early stuff if you want to hear more uh, more 90s stuff that that's a cool one it'll be a cool one to listen to because it's it's definitely solid and you know they were playing playing with neil young they were definitely trying to impress of course yeah and uh we also have the bridge school episode that we released last week and the bridge school episodes that we've done forever uh there's a lot of stuff going on on patreon if you're not there we totally understand right now is a really hard time for anybody to dedicate any money towards anything but if that's something that you you can and would like to afford right now it's there for you guys we're here for the long haul or as long as we can be patreon.com slash live on four legs and we're just gonna. And that's keep... the the number four, not the not four spelled out. No, I, I think I I would hope that people would know by now, but you never yeah, know. Yeah, just you know, just in case. Gotta yeah. throw that out there. Yeah. So uh, there's that, and then if you want to send us an email and uh, just let us know what you think of the episode, or you know, f- you know, give us ideas for future shows, live on Four Legs Podcast at gmail.com. That is also the number four. 
So let's talk about Sweden and this show in Stockholm and what was going around at the time. Like I kind of mentioned before, the band was really in their prime. Oh, yeah, they they were breaking huge, man. By this time, like, they had to, I mean, first things off, they had to move this show from a small club right. to a big outdoor venue. Right, yeah. So this outdoor venue held 1,500, which doesn't seem like a lot. But at the time, you know, this club probably held you know, 300, 400 people. So they, at, at most, yeah. Yeah. So they probably said there's absolutely no way that we can get all these people in. And also that kind of, I don't know what the situation in the club was, but this show was an 18 and over show, which Ed said at some point, he said uh, that he wasn't very happy about that. He said, just let yeah. everybody in. But I'm wondering that, if the that's club his, that's that. his Fugazi influence yeah. coming out. Yeah, I mean that's that's everybody. I, I if I if I were part of a band, I would be pissed off about that too. Yeah, just like think about it too. Like this is only this is only like a month or six weeks after the unplugged has aired, and that was huge. Yep. That really kind of shot them into another level, and you know the the Jeremy video and getting re- they're on radio play constantly, even Flo Alive, Jeremy, even like Black was getting airplay. I think so, for the band's psyche. It all, for me, goes back to Pink Pop and just, like, that's their we made it show, their moment, where they look out into the crowd. There's 60,000 people that are all chanting with them, that are clapping with them. Like, that's their their moment that basically put them in this position where they were well on their way to success. But their coming out of the show is just as interesting as coming into the show because after this night somebody went backstage and robbed the band and mainly oh, yeah. mainly it was Eddie that uh suffered the repercussions from this because somebody took all of his journals and notebooks stuff that had the whole suitcase if yeah if you're familiar if you've ever seen him play you know, one of his solo sets, he comes out with a suitcase and like he opens it up. And it's got notebooks and mm-hmm. instruments and random things, personal stuff in there. Yeah, one of those suitcases just all had lyrics, song ideas. Like, who knows what we lost? You know, who knows? I mean, I'm sure he was able to, you know, he's got some of it in his head. He was able to come up with some of it, but who knows like what kind of crazy songs we, we lost out on and whoever. Whoever stole it, I don't, you know, it's crazy to think like it never, none of it ever surfaced, like never showed up on, you know, somebody could have made some eBay or anything. There was an eBay in 1992, but yeah, it's crazy that someone's just got it in their house somewhere. Like, yeah, what an asshole. Like, I'm sure somebody, what what a terrible thing to happen to you. Yeah, I'm sure somebody just took a handful of stuff. And looked through all the books and looked to see if there were any checks, any money. Yeah. And then once they didn't see anything, they just threw everything in the trash. That 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 Maybe. would be my yeah. guess. But basically the band was just in the shits of moods after this, completely yeah. dejected. And then you get into the next day. Yeah, if you if you look at yeah, the next day they get into a big fight. I'm sure this is what you get into. Yeah. They get into a fight with their security and end up just scrapping the rest of the tour. That's crazy. Yeah. So this is at Roskilde in Denmark and mm-hmm. Ed goes, hops into the crowd and, and joins the crowd during deep. And when he's trying to get back to the stage, security guard grabs him and they start kind of getting into a little fisticuffs. And then Eric, who's their tour manager, 
he gets involved and has to pull pull things away. The the, the footage is out on YouTube. I, I'm I, I believe it's there. I believe you can see it uh, on the Roskilled show that they have on YouTube. But it's just really, man. It's a, it's just a messy situation. I can see from their standpoint them just saying, you know what? After these two massive things that happened, we gotta we gotta take a little bit of a break you know we we continue out on tour we're gonna just burn ourselves out and you never know what's gonna happen next especially they have seven shows after this a couple of these shows they were sharing the stage with nirvana and Mm -hmm. that in itself in this time period where all anybody is talking about is nirvana pearl jam cobain vetter you know everybody's pitting them up against each other I can see them sort of saying for that standpoint and everything else that that's gone on that, you know what, we just want to relax. Let's, let's take it easy. Let's go back to the States and, and prepare uh, and recharge for the next show. Yeah. I want to, if you're interested in, in that, I want to give a quick shout out. There's a, there's a podcast called rivals, which is uh Stephen Hyden who, uh, who we've mentioned a couple of times. He's got a new podcast and, his last week's episode was about Kurt and Eddie and Nirvana and Pearl Jam. So if you're interested in hearing more about that, that quote unquote feud uh, back in the early nineties, then you can check that episode out. But yeah, just imagine what it would have been like for them. Cause they, they played with each other late 91, but mm-hmm. they were not, neither of them were as close to being as big as they were at that point. So imagine what would happen if, like maybe you know because one of the music awards or one of the awards show like uh eddie and kurt you know they embraced and uh uh that was later on yeah yeah so i wonder if like maybe there would have been some sort of like peace offering or something like that or is this just too much in the middle of the whole ordeal yeah that well again too they were you know nirvana broke kind of first you know Nevermind came out a a couple of months before 10 did or a couple of weeks I forget exactly but um, they had already kind of rocketed up into that next level and it took Pearl Jam until you know a a couple of months later to finally break so they were always kind of perceived as the the little brother you know back then they were like oh they're they're kind of the they're the hangers-on you know they they weren't first and but by by summer of 92 they were just they were just still right there and and they were almost it was the beginning you know like he talks about in that that single show in 92 where it was kind of the the birth of no and this is like they were getting almost too big for their own good and like yeah you had you have to just step back and stop and and nirvana didn't do that they probably should have you know and and you see you see what happened to what how that ended up right where you know in in retrospect you know people like people like ed and people like michael stipe who were close with kurt should have been you know they you know like i wish we would have said you know just stop like you don't have to keep doing this if you don't want to right. you know so yeah it's it's an interesting uh it's an interesting way that their paths kind of 
converged and diverged and yeah it would have been interesting to to see how those shows would have gone i remember there being a quote in one of the ed biographies called uh, none too fragile it's not it's not a bad read it's it's a short read so if you if you have time which uh we all kind of do right now maybe maybe pick it up and and, uh and give it a glance over but there was one thing after the whole kurt you know after kurt passed the thing that kind of sticks out in my mind was a quote from Eddie or an indirect quote from Eddie saying, you never know that could have been me. And that always has stuck, stuck in my mind that like, you know, what if a, what if scenario where the tables were turned and, and Pearl Jam didn't know when to stop. Yeah. So, you know, it's obviously that didn't happen, but, um, just kind of it, it, we're very fortunate to be in this position right now where there's 11 albums and and they're still planning to to do stuff in 2020 so you know in an alternate universe it could have been the other way around you just never know um sure i, I would like you to read a passage in pj20 that i thought was really interesting from jeff talking about the whole situation and having to cancel do you have that handy um, Since yeah, you are the we PJ20 storyteller Sure, if, if everyone will turn to page 82 <laughs> uh, He says, uh, we were trying to keep it together But it was already starting to get weird uh, Nirvana was on the bill too And this was when the Nirvana versus Pearl Jam thing Was at its pinnacle, like we talked about uh, Courtney Love was on the phone the whole time Next to me calling random people Super fucked up It was surreal Stone and I talked, and then we called Kelly, Kelly Curtis, the manager, to tell him we had to come home. It felt like something that could potentially unravel in a really bad way. During Deep, Ed went into the crowd, and when he came out, security didn't know it was him. Eric Johnson went to get him, like we talked about, and security started wailing on them. I think Mike may have jumped in, too. I thought, oh my god, it can't get any worse. Deciding to go home let us know that making a buck at that point wasn't the most important thing. The most important thing was keeping our sanity and staying in control of the thing we were driving. And you'll see on that page, you'll see that there's actually a doctor's note saying that Eddie can no longer yeah. continue the tour. He's had, He has muscle cramps and uh, uh, aches in his upper extremities, and he's also yeah. exhausted. So he, it's funny that he had to get a doctor note. Yeah, and, just, and that day too, like – that single soundtrack was released yes. on June 26th, like the day after this. And that thing was huge. Like everyone had that. And just to escalate at the time, this is also when hunger strike was starting to make the, the rotation on the radio too. Oh, yeah. It, it, they had, they re-released it with a new video, right. which featured Ed. Right. Yeah. And I think this kind of came from, I think the story on that was that some kid that was an intern at MTV was just looking through tapes came across this tape and said, oh, shit, Eddie Vedder and Chris Cornell are, like, the biggest things right now. I think we should probably play this. Yeah. So, you know, the, the, believe what you want with the, with that story, but that is something that has been passed down and uh, is interesting fodder. So let's, um, let's kind of break into the set here to begin – Ed comes on stage and they seem like they're in a real good mood. And, and he says, you know, it's a beautiful day out today. Let's just have fun. And it's him and Mike. And it seems like it's not Dave on the drums. I think we figure out later that it's a their drum tech Scully. Yeah, he's a, he's a roadie or a drum tech. I think he gets 
He gets mentioned in that Orpheum show. I think he was one of the ones that came up with that set list. Okay, yeah. I think he was with he was with them for a long time, but yeah, I think he probably just came out and and played some basic basic drums. Yeah, it's it's definitely not Dave A. It doesn't sound like him. No, it's not yeah. a full band performance. These two songs, and he asks the crowd whether they want a fast or a slow song, and we get the first ever version of "Driven to Tears." <laughs> patrons we did that the first bridge school episode we did we talked about ed playing guitar on i'm a patriot and i i mentioned that it might have been the first time he played guitar now we have no idea this the first time that ed's playing guitar at a pearl jam show no idea i think it might be no idea it does not make mention to it on five horizons we don't um there is video of this show but not this this part there's video right. of, of something important that comes later that I don't want to spoil for all of you that don't know. <laughs> right. But um, right. Right. I, I am not sure. I know that later on, I think Ed plays on guitar to this song, but not sure. I can't figure it out. Yeah, I can't this, figure it this out. could be the first time he plays guitar in a Pearl Jam show. Yeah, so, but, you know, that that's maybe for people that have footage of this in, in their vault or something like that they'll be able to figure that out but as far as we know we can't confirm nor deny but uh the version of driven to tears is actually pretty cool and it sort of just feels like an open mic type thing where you know ed really just is messing around and then you know they're just kind of having fun and and they've never done this live to this point and they don't really do a lot of covers really at this point either so you know just having a good time and and there's no opening band so why not so yeah driven to tears like it they started playing it again really on that not until really 2000 2003, 2003 yeah so yeah you yeah. had to wait so, 404 yeah, shows cool. in between this and when they played yeah. and then you get the uh you get the you get the crowd going eddie eddie and he immediately goes stop that <laughs> like that was funny try, and that was something common back in the day too every every bootleg almost has has the crowd chanting his name and he would always be like nope stop that nope we're not doing that right but later they redeemed themselves and they started chanting pearl jam did you notice right. that so right. they i did they learned yeah. that is a good crowd over there in stockholm sweden so uh he says they're gonna do another song and this one feels like summer and it reminds him of summer summer and surfers and it's throw your arms around me and this is again live debut of this and it's I feel like this one Ed is playing on for sure. 
Oh, definitely. Because it's fast. Oh, yeah, it's, it's that fast kind of strummy. Right. You know, you can tell he was he was looking at he was looking down at his hands and like making sure. Yeah, right. that's that's definitely early early Ed guitar playing. Yeah, I, I but think yeah, so. it's it's a it's a fantastic song. Like every we we talked about it when we did those um, shows in Australia, and New Zealand, and it's oh, it's such a great song, and I, I love the way he sings on it. Love the way he plays on it. The take on this version is, is you know, obviously we know this to be much slower and much more passionate, but they're they're going like full out punk on this almost, and it's getting mm-hmm. really high in the second the second verse. I noticed that he's just kind of getting a ton of energy out there and and going crazy and getting the crowd into it. songs from kind of like the early mid 80s to choose and kind of like two european like australian like he's going back to like a different generation it's almost like you wouldn't expect pearl jam to break out a police cover right it's not cool to go back to five five or ten years ago at that point if they went back 20 years ago it's it's definitely it's an insight into where they were at and what they were listening to. It's not like he was doing, you know, like quote unquote grunge covers or like he didn't pick a he didn't pick something super popular from the seventies right. and like something that you might, you know, think would be into. So this was kind of a, a glimpse early on into into where they were at musically. It's kind of a cool thing, like yeah, you know, maybe maybe you expect us to play, you know, something something different, but we're gonna we're gonna break out this kind of obscure police song and then this hunters and collector song that no one's ever heard. It's kind of the evolution of both of them that they you know are yeah. now known as being part of the Pearl Jam cover catalog essentially. So yeah, you know, and, and it, you know, you would think that maybe in the '90s, if boots are going around and somebody's like, oh man, they covered this police song. And you'd think, well, they never do that. And then bringing it back yeah, in 2003. It's not, it's not every breath you take. It's not, right. you know, rock sand. Kind of you know, it's, yeah, it's something a little more, a little more deep into the catalog, which is cool. Yep. We officially get the full band on stage and kind of kick off the show with even flow. Um, recording is not necessarily perfect on this, but I think it's, it's absolutely acceptable. There are some parts I just noticed with even flow is just over modulating a little bit but you're gonna get that with 92 bootlegs there's you know unless it's pristine and really comes from the soundboard he even mentions at some point i saw on five horizons but i didn't get this on the actual tape itself and i and i have a theory about yeah, that it, it it cuts off right yeah, with though we don't have the whole song of even flow it starts about a third into it or something and evidently it was before even flow that he noticed someone with uh who was taping it and and calls him out and says hey that's cool yeah we, <laughs> we like those people you know right. they're doing it they're doing important work 
So then I think you, you, you think what you're getting at is maybe this person heard that and like turned theirs on and, and put it up and started recording. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Something, yeah. something like that happened or, you know, got to flip the tape or something like that. But Or maybe this... they were, maybe someone, some security person made him stop. And then after the band said he, he, he laughed in their face and turned it back on or something. It could have been something right. like that. Right. Yeah. You never know what's going on with that, yeah. but even yeah. flow is obviously getting the crowd into it very early on. But even though we don't hear the end of the song, we've, we've gotten it many a times before and uh it's sort of it's funny you put this and the pink pop version together and basically you get one full complete song because the pink pop (laughs) version kind of starts exactly almost exactly where this leaves off so i just thought of that now i didn't even make a note on that (laughs) but yeah and these songs too you know you're getting the the really good tempo and the really good groove where that we haven't talked about in a while but the way that riff kind of dips and dives and comes back up for air and it's it's the way you know it's the way it was meant to be played yep absolutely and same with one, even flow once deep you know it's yep. we'll, we'll, we'll say it many times over yep yeah 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 once once was terrific from the show and that follows up on even flow um just ed is full force he's just energetic and passionate the whole way how many times is he just going to absolutely belt the lyrics? And... You get this in the late 2000s. He's not going to put together a version like this, but this I like once in the early 90s as opposed to now where you say it's kind Definitely. of like a missable song almost. Yeah, it it doesn't have the same ferocity and the same kind of oomph behind it that it right. did back then. Right. I, it's, almost like they're, it's almost like they're kind of going through the motions a little bit with it now sure yeah they know that it's one on ten and people recognize it and yeah and it's and it's more for the it's more for the crowd you know it's it's for everyone to put up the one finger in the air and and scream back at him you know it's that that's that's what it's become sure but here is probably the most interesting (laughs) part of the show so Ed says to the crowd, he says, in the U.S., you need to uh, to make love, you need a condom, but I don't know about here. And then there's some noodling around, and apparently some people, this is pre-Indio, but people are throwing shoes yeah. on the stage, which it just, just And not to just be... shoes, but in anything. Evidently, they were throwing a lot of things up on there, anything right. they could get their hands on. Right. Recurring theme, though, that shoes just yeah. kind of get thrown at Eddie. But yeah. Ed yeah. Uh, turns, you know, turns it into what, what's that cliche called? Lemon, lemons in the lemonade, I suppose. But I, I guess he's turning this into like Mike's hard lemonade or something like that because he pours the beer into the shoe and drinks straight out of the shoe. And he says, I'm crazier than all you fuckers. And 
a lot of people in the crowd are screaming as he attempts to introduce the next song. So he passes the mic and tells somebody in the crowd, he says, okay, what's the next song? And a guy takes the microphone and screams right into it, says, Fuck you! What's oh, going the on. Swedes. Yeah. Yeah. I thought they were supposed to be passive and friendly and, you know, kind, but apparently grunge. Evidently, of... it was it was the, the, the Swedish chef incarnate. <laughs> if that were the case, I don't think I don't think yeah. the Swedish chef would have been that articulate. <laughs> but yes, he's. The Swedish chef is crazier than that. Drunk. The drunk Swedish chef incarnate, I should say. Skibirdy, skibirdy, fuck you all. Skibirdy, skibirdy. Yeah, this is is the kind of crowd you're getting in 1992. Everybody wants to elicit the same kind of energy and the same kind of attitude and angst and anger that, that the band has. And it's just a time where... They feel like they have the freedom to say, I'm crazy, go fuck yourself, and they they do it. But then he screams, state of love and trust, state of love and trust. State of love and trust, state of love and trust, state of love and trust, state of love and trust. And they actually play it. They do. Yeah. This could have not been on the set list, and right. then they just busted it out. But first of all, Ed's drinking out of his shoe. So we know what time in life Ed is at right now. This is pre, right before they're about to go on on tour for Lollapalooza. Oh, he was he was doing the Jim Rose bile thing. Like he can drinking beer out of a shoe is nothing for him. Yeah, right. Yeah, keep that in mind when he passes the wine down. If you drink after him, keep in mind where his mouth has been. Exactly. That shit don't go away, coronavirus. But um, <laughs> state of love and trust alive. In this section, um, after State of Love and Trust, you get a little noodling of something we're very familiar with. Yeah, it was really cool. Just a couple of seconds, but a little uh, a little hard to imagine. Something that they were maybe working on at the time. Um, I feel like that Mike was very common. any chance to... Yeah, oh yeah. It was very common it, for Mike to And we'll, we'll see that in, in Helsinki as well. But uh, yeah, it was just something they would break out. Just just a little tease, just a few seconds. You know, they they probably were in the middle of writing it, and he just had a minute to play around on something and just played a little bit of the riff. But yeah, I thought Dave A was really good on State of Love and Trust. There's a good solo. I thought it was a great version. Yeah, I agree. And alive, you're getting good versions of live at this point too, because everybody in the crowd knows. And I I just I feel the crowd in this that the crowd has. You know, movement that there are pits that there everything is going on, and and while that's probably the case with the other songs, I feel like they they're turning it up a little bit for this. They were used to playing those festivals where, you know, they would they would do you have to please the crowd, so they kind of translate that into these kind of outdoor shows where the set list is probably going to be similar. There you're putting like an, an alive and even flow early in a set to get people going. But also for something like this, where they're the only band and they're going to play 20 songs when on the album they have 11, they're busting out 
everything they know, basically. Like, the only yeah. songs that I can think of that were somewhat in the rotation at the time were that they didn't play. Oceans, Breath, Maybe Alone, um, anything else that you can wash. think of? Wash, yeah, Wash. Dirty Frank, but yeah. Eh, not really. That is what it is. Not really rotation, but okay, yeah, I guess. Yeah. Um, but again, feeding off the energy of the band, really good version. Mike has a really excellent solo. Uh, we get, after after live, you get a little bit of an improv. Ed is singing a few bars or something. It's really quick. Oh, no, but, hold on, hold on. Whoa, whoa, whoa. That is some Fugazi, my friend. That is Bad Mouth by Fugazi. Oh, nobody has it. As anything, it betrays a bad. Oh, you got to play some of it in here. You can't be watching, so you better stop being oh, what you are. You can't be watching. Oh, I love that song. It's one of the one of the really good early Fugazi songs. You are the master of Fugazi. I do not know. Yeah, bear. I know barely the surface of of Fugazi, mm. but. Oh, you got to dig into it, man. That that's on your that's on your quarantine list is to go listen to some Fugazi. Done deal. Yeah. Every every place though has this as it just saying improv, and that goes to show how little people around this circuit, I guess, know of Fugazi. Mm-hmm. Is mm-hmm. that would that be considered a Fugazi deep cut, or is that like a popular uh, song? They're they're all kind of deep cuts. I mean, they didn't have singles or anything like that. It's just they just had the albums. But yeah, this is he he did it more more than once, you know. So this is a uh, yeah, it's uh it's from one of their first albums, uh, first EPs, I think. Uh, a song called Bad Mouth. So yeah, check it out if you haven't. We will have to report that to uh, the set list police and uh mm-hmm. see if if they can live on four into legs their... detective agency strikes again that's it that's that's what we do you know sound the alarm and send it over to live footsteps we did um yep. just got to make mention to this since it's on our mind we did uh yeah yeah get a new set list that was shared by not not one of our fans but somebody that had shared it on one of the groups and i had tagged dave to it and said you know, let's let's look into it. Is it legit? It was pretty close to the same time frame as the Glasgow show, so mm-hmm. kind of goes to show. Like, yeah, same same little tour. Of, so, yeah, they weren't really keeping track of stuff at the time. It was pretty much a very similar set list, you know. Uh, but the guy had it signed, so pretty much guaranteed that. It was it was the real deal, and and Dave added it. So he yeah. said that in five years we didn't have anything, and in six months, or maybe a little more than six months, we got him two two new set lists. So that's pretty yeah. fucking. Cool. And now now we got to get some tapes. We got to get those. Yes. We got to get Martin and the and Colin and those guys to find that tape, and we need to get we need to check in with with this guy. I think his name was Paul. We yeah. Need to check in with him and see if he's got a cassette of this thing. We need that to get would, these. We need to free these bootlegs. Yeah, that would be nice. I, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know. So I, we can I cover it on the we, show. That would. I would love that. I would love that. Yeah. Get these guys on to talk about it. But we'll. Uh, yeah. If anything ever comes up of it, we'll we'll see and we'll we'll uh, we'll put it into the rotation. We get black in the middle here and this is a really good we belong together tag oh it's 
on Amazing. this black. Yeah. profiles on each other last week and you were a little surprised that that black was was the one that i kind of latched onto on the 10 early because it yeah you know it's more of a mature song it's not one of the the faster kind of angstier songs but versions like this just make you just make you just get go down on your knees man like they it's such a powerful song and like the lyrics and the music everything like it really builds to something nice and it was it was one of the ones that you knew right away. And, you know, every, people don't know the story. Like, the record company begged them to, to release it as a single. They said, you know, it's bigger than Alive. It'll be bigger than Jeremy. It'll be bigger than Even Flow. And they just flat out refused, you know, so because they Good knew it was it was more of a, a personal song, you know. And I almost wish they had done a, a video for it, like, almost like the replacements did for, for Bastards of Young, where it was just the speaker playing the song, you know. Or just release a video that's just black with the song playing, like no no video at all, no visuals at all. But right. you know, it would have been amazing. But like this song on ten, it was it's it's it was the standout track for sure. Like and this version is it's one of the one of the highlights of the show. Yeah, for sure. And afterwards you get Ed singing a little bit of uh Beach Boys here, Help Me Rhonda, because mm-hmm. I'm in too deep. Help me and obviously that's a uh a tease to get you into deep and like i said at the beginning this is the way you want deep like it's the right tempo it's the right speed it's it's the the way the riff is meant to be played absolutely we follow deep with jeremy why go and Jeremy's about to be a major hit if it's not already at this time. Oh, it, it is already. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and this was a little, I, I, I thought was the video groovier, was a little bad. It was a little groovier version. Like it had a little bit more swing to it than I think it it did later on. You know, it was kind of interesting. Everything in the show is really good, but I'm not ready to put this in the pantheon of like really, really good ninety two shows. I think this is very good. It's not up there with like the iconic No. It's shows not a Den Hog. It's not mm-hmm. It's not Zurich to me. I think it's close though. I think it's it's right there. I'm not saying it's not it's not bad. I'm I'm thinking that like uh, we're 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 leading we're leading up to a very contentious rating later on. So stay tuned. for Yeah, that. I don't think it'll be too bad. I, I think it, I think it'll be a pretty normal rating. I'm not giving it like a nine and a half or anything like that. But um, and after all this talks about the opening act with with Scully and thanks Scully for being a part of it and he says that. He smokes enough pot to want to be like Bob Marley, 
and then kind of talks about it being a nice day out and saying that they're world travelers and asked if anybody was at their the first show that they played over in Sweden. I believe this was March of 92, probably right. that tour. So I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, leads to an improv called The First Time. about it's just kind of about the tour it's yeah. kind of very simple you know that it's not something that that gets real deeper it's know, not a personal. right yeah. it's not a personal one it's not like a fuck me in the brain where he's getting angry it's just kind of yeah. Yeah. it's a thing and, and it's it's not bad per se but it's uh, i think a little bit of it is killing some time in this show essentially sure because they don't overall but yeah don't don't go into expecting like you see an improv and you're like, ooh, it's going to be like some, they tease something new or it was going to be some song that, that like some some germ of a song that never materialized. Like, this is not that. Right. They're, they're just wasting and, time. And maybe yeah. that's why, I guess, looking at it beforehand and then listening to it, I'm just kind of like, you know what, the, the show is good, but like, I think I had those expectations of, oh, we got two, two songs that say improvs in this and one was just a little bit of a tease of a Fugazi song. And then this improv was just okay. It wasn't anything for, you know, the record books. It wasn't open road or anything like that. So, you know, right, right. which is fine, which is totally fine. Yeah. It's kind of, yeah. you know, it, it's the ideal thing that they did at they're, the time. They're having fun. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. They have time to fuck around. And, and this is also where Ed makes the comment about uh, being upset that everybody 18 and over can't get into the show. So mentions that right. this one is for the teenagers that can't get in and wants to let them all in and they're jamming and will play till it's dark and gets us into a classic one, two, three, four fast porch. This is how it's supposed to be played, ladies and gentlemen. A little voodoo child tag and a very long jam where this is perfect Mike, it's perfect Dave A. Everything's gelling really well together. But nothing in Five Horizons about if Eddie is jumping off anything or, you know, making a scene, I didn't read. Yeah. You know, I think that's, that's part of it too. I think they, they were on the grounds of the museum of modern art. And I think he probably out of respect, there probably wasn't anything to jump off of, or I don't, they probably didn't have time since they moved the show. They probably didn't have time to set up like a light show or right. any kind of thing like that. So I don't think there was anything like that going on. It was probably just a very simple setup, you know. And and again, being in a museum, it's not 
he's not gonna like go destroying anything you know no he's 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 respectful yeah. of that stuff yeah but it, it lasts nine minutes and nine yeah. minute porches at the time are a fucking great thing and uh that's gets us into where they 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 pause for a little bit and there are technically three different encores in here and it's argu- arguable that where the encores begin and end but i think that this encore starts obviously with a little part of suggestion here this is this is great a little suggestion i uh i put it on my fake covers album that that pearl jam would have done i wish you know i I want like a full live band version of it but anything anything you get and it's it has such a meaning behind it like it, it it's kind of the precursor almost to to a better man or something like that where it's it's from a female perspective and it's it's something that was written you know from that point of view where it's kind of saying the same thing like it's about you know you know why can't i walk down the street free of suggestion mm-hmm. um and it's it's it was such a cool thing for them to do to 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 pick a band like that that was outside the mainstream for sure and to kind of highlight them and, and it was just them kind of propping up a band and and it was huge for me too like to hear that like oh Pearl Jam like I talked about it, like Pearl Jam likes Fugazi no I who's Fugazi like I, I want to get into them and and yeah like just an amazing band and uh yeah Suggestion is again one of their early songs you know they they had only had I think a couple of EPs and one album in 92 by 92 maybe Steady Diet and Nothing had just come out but uh, listen to my other podcast. This is not a Fugazi podcast for more information on that coming soon. But, uh, yeah, suggestions, a cool way to, uh, to open up the encore here. It's not a, not the full thing, which just like, it's a little, it almost is a tag without a song on it. Yeah. How many, how many times cool. have they done the full version of this? The uh, Den Hog. Not, not very often. Den Hog they did, often. right? Yeah, Den Hog is, is that's the one that everybody goes back to. Right. Yeah. Right. Okay. So, uh, Yeah. You know, people go back to the Pink Pop version, but it's the same thing. The Pink Pop version is basically mm-hmm. the same thing as this. And, uh, yeah. you know, even though they're not, you know, doing it much past 1992, they do end up bringing it back at, I think it was either Lollapalooza or Pink Pop in 2018. Might have been, yeah, been Lollapalooza. Because they did. Mm, I don't remember. Well, I was going to say Pink Pop. Pulled, so, yeah. pulled Up was at Pink Pop. Okay. Right. Yeah, I know that they did pulled up, and I think that one was Pink Pop, and I think Suggestion happened to be Lollapalooza. I always thought it would, yeah, it would make such a good intro to Better Man. Yeah, that'd be interesting. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. 
Suggestion takes us into Garden, and that is a really good version of Garden, if I do say so myself. A very bluesy solo. Yeah, I I thought I thought it was a little different. Like usually they yeah. get, you know, I think last week or a week before we had a version that got really hard at the end and and kind of had a powerful mm-hmm. ending, but this one felt more melodical. Yeah, and it's probably you know it was a song even back then that was one of the least played off of ten, along with like oceans, right. So it's it's cool to get it in an encore like this. It's not something they were playing every night. No, especially when they're doing a lot of festival shows. How many times are they going to bust it out at Lollapalooza? Not right. Not many over the Jeremy's and Alive's and, and Black and, and things like that. So, yeah, to get it at this time, let's see the numbers on how often they were playing it during this tour. It was only played seven times during this little leg. I believe that there were 14 shows on this leg. So that's that's half the time. So that, you know, going up against Alive and Once and Even Flow and Black, Jeremy Deep, White yeah. Go, they're, they're, they're all every single night. But this is, yeah. you know, yeah. good, good, to, good to see them, you know, recognizing and realizing that, hey, let's let's throw in the set because we have 20 songs to play tonight. So... That, here on most of the sites, they say that's where the first encore ends. I don't believe so. I believe Leash is part of the first encore. It sounds yeah, like it would, it. Yeah, having a, a two-song first encore doesn't make a lot of sense. No, no, especially because Suggestion's only like a minute and a half or so. Right, right. So, yeah, Ed kind of says here, does anybody know the how to say Leash in Swedish? And that gets them into... <laughs> The version and well, I, I don't want I don't want to skip over that. Did did you hear? Did you do you know what leash in, in Swedish is? I actually don't. It's it's koppel, as in Ted Koppel. Oh, so now we can call. I'm going to call him Ted Leash from here on out. <laughs> I like that. Works perfectly. Yeah, good version of leash. Obviously, pre-verse is here, and mm-hmm. Ed's letting out the massive screams, and it's got the angry identity that Leash was intended to have for the 1992 era. And this one I, is another one I can see after a garden that doesn't necessarily get the crowd moving as much. I, I think the crowd is is fully back and invested. Oh yeah, in, it was. This. It was something. It would it would immediately get the crowd into a frenzy every time. Yeah. For sure, and even though they even though they didn't know the song, as soon as you even if you don't know the song, you hear that opening guitar and you're like, "Oh shit, here we go!" Right, you feel it's it's a spark that that's igniting, absolutely. Yeah, and, yeah, and that's where I sort of think that they end the first encore, come back out, and Ed talks to the crowd about Ross killed and says that they're playing there tomorrow, but they want to play in Sweden again because they like it there, and considering what happened. I don't know if they would have rather have played Sweden again or would they have rather gone to Roskilde and gotten their ass kicked. I yeah. that's sort of a double-edged sword right there. I don't I don't know. I don't know what they would have wanted, but I you know, I think they went back to this in 93 actually. If I'm not mistaken, I saw something that Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. I saw something that said uh this venue was called Must Seat. Mesquite, something like that. Ma- Moderna, Moderna. Musée. If if that's how it's you mu- say it. it's muse- museum of modern art. Okay, yeah, that's that's fair. 
your your Swedish obviously with your Koppel is is much better than mine. <laughs> uh, but we do get two covers in the encore too. I've got a feeling, really good jam. They jam out to Dolly Dagger from Hendrix on this, and in the middle of it, he sings uh, a little piece from Three Little Birds. It's not a 15-minute version like the Orpheum or one of those other shows mm-hmm. that they were doing at the time where they busted it. I yeah, think he says something about, like, oh, we never play this one, you know? Right, but that that's not necessarily true. They did yeah. play it at the time. But, the, I mean, the, and a lot of times he'll mix up the lyrics a little bit, but this is pretty much straight the same lyrics that are on the, the Japanese 10 version. It's it's uh, it's a pretty straightforward version until you get to about the four-minute mark when the – when the tags come in and the the other little pieces. Right, right. And it's just, you know, it's it's a it's a fun it's a fun cover whenever they do bust it out and you know, this is really the early era where twenty eight times they have played it up to this point. So this is the one one of the covers that's sticking around and And it goes back to, you know, we and we talked about the very beginning with Driven to Tears where it's it's a deep cut. It's it's a Beatles song, but how many people no, I got a feeling how many people in this crowd knew that that was a Beatles song, you know? They, oh, I don't know. They're not doing, they're not doing you know, it's hey not Jude hey Jude, or Get right. Back or anything. It's, it's, Come it's, together, a, it's right. a deep, it's a deep cut from the Beatles. Like, no doubt. It's not, it wasn't one of their famous number one hits, you know? I mean, it's not within without you, you know? Well, sure. It's not something sure. super deep. Maybe it's coming from a Beatles bias and, and understanding. Well, it's it's and later too, you know. Stuff. It's 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 late. Right. In this nineteen seventy, wasn't this? Yeah. It's so it's it's at the very end of the Beatles. You know, it's not something off of Sergeant Pepper's or Revolver or something. Yeah, like that. Yeah, but I that. think this is is pretty much considered one of their hits from that album. Mm. You don't think so? I've always thought it was. Maybe I, mean, maybe I, I, I consider it's myself. I've uh, loved I'm song. more of a casual Beatles fan. Like I, 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 of course, I respect them. You know, tons. I'm obviously one of the greatest bands of all time. But I, you know, I'm I'm wasn't as familiar with this song until later on when I dug a little deeper into it. It's not one of the first ones that you hear. Probably not. Not from the Beatles. Uh, but yeah. I think this is one when you really do dig into their collection you dig into their albums this one sticks around i've I've been listening to this song for years and years and years and maybe maybe it was just my bias that you know i think mm. this is a top 20 beatles song maybe top 30 beatles song if mm. that to most people is 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 a shocker then let me know because yeah i think it is i i have differing opinions on on beatles than most people i like their weird stuff so yeah, no. that's fun. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, like tomorrow, I'm not going to argue with tomorrow you. Tomorrow never yeah, knows I mean, and, and that kind of stuff. Sure. Um, Rockin' in the Free World is here. But you also, in between, got to mention this, that uh, Ed mentions Jeff hadn't been feeling well that day, but he's jumping around <laughs> all over the place, so he must be feeling okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to guess that the night before was... Um, oh, no, you know what he says? He says... He comes on and says, "Oh, I was just, I, just, I just didn't want to do the interviews. You know, I'm sure they were doing some press or something like that. Yeah. He he was just trying to get out of doing the uh, the dumb interviews that's and answering it. the same dumb questions over and over again. Yeah. yeah, that's probably it. You're probably right. So we yeah. get the drum intro for early rocking oh, in the free the, world. Such a oh, the, where it's the this build. intro. Like I don't want to skip over this. It's so good. Yes, it's it just punches you in the face immediately." 
machine guns. Like give give Dave a lot of credit on this one. It's this is full on like it's the precursor to you know that that MTV '93 with with Neil. Like this is the the germ of that. Like this is where that started. Where they realized that they could just beat the shit out of the song. Yeah, and even when they got the chanting and stuff going on in the middle of it, like it's still it's incredible and, and it's incredibly different version than you would hear today because you still yeah. in that thousand points of light you still get that that you know that booming drum part that came back from the beginning it, it comes back and, oh, it's, at the end it's yeah. absolutely explosive yeah. yeah just the whole thing sounds fantastic and how, how many times have they played it before this just a few right uh this was actually played more than i've got a feeling 35 okay yeah, so, you know, believe it or not, they, they played it 12 times on that tour. That seems to be, yeah. like, about 14 shows. So, you know, it, it's it's starting to stick around at this point, I think. And it was only a song, I think the, it was only a song that was a few years old at that point. I think Neil's version came yeah, out in, what, 88, 88 or 89? Yeah, so, that's yeah. on, um, oh, God, what album? It's on the same album as this Notes for You, I believe. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I remember seeing his performance of it on Saturday Night Live, which is so good. And that really showed, I think that was big for them too. I'm sure they probably watched that as well and were like, whoa, we could do that. Right. You know, and it's, it's oh yeah, this version is, is one of the best ones, one of the best early Rock in the Free Worlds. I think it's from the intro to the end where he's doing those, like I said, those machine gun drums. Just, it's, it sounds like, sounds like a bomb going off. And going back to that Finland show that we're posting up on Patreon today. I think that I read that that night the band joined Neil Young on stage to do Rockin' in the Free World, and Neil said, we don't play the song very often. Hmm. It was one of, it was either that or one of the shows that they were opening up for Neil around that time. Yeah. So, you know, that makes sense. And now I think this is a staple of every Neil show, too, basically. You think. Oh, yeah. Wouldn't be surprised, yeah. Did you see he? Really, did you see he covered? Uh, he did Little Wing in his little quarantine fireside show. The other I didn't day. get to see it, but I heard about it. That was yeah. pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, Good for him. All right, so we get a third encore, which is certainly uh, pretty rare for the time. And and right away they're they're saying we forgot to play this one, um, and people actually requested it, so they're going to play it. And release makes an appearance in near the end of the set. And this is interesting because it's sort of the opposite of what they do. They, you know, especially at the time, start off kind of slow and then build your way into it and finish off big. Finish off with the Rockin' in the Free World. Finish off with the Live. Something yeah. something big like that. But they're finishing off, you know, obviously they don't have too many songs left in their name. But the two that they got left are, are two of, you know, the more slower tempo songs that they have at the time. Yeah, and I'm, you know, I'm sure release was meant to be first. It was probably meant to be release, even flow once, but they probably got distracted by I doing the preset and was just forgot. Say that. Yeah, I was gonna say that. Yeah, yeah. So it's not like it's not like they they put it here on purpose, you know. So you always have to kind of put an asterisk by it. It also leads to the debate on whether or not release belongs at this part of the set. If it should I think be it could. I think it, it could be a set ender, I think, if, if it had, if it had gone a different way. I think there's a there's a way to do that where where it, it kind of brings down a set almost like an indifference or something like that. Yeah, I kind of agree with that. You kind of give Yeah. I think 
the one thing that is working against it in 2020 is that people will be just clamoring for more because they're so used to it's kind of like a Pavlov uh, you know experiment hmm. where they usually open with it and people are expecting something to come right after it but nothing's coming so I think pe- I think while it ends on a high note I think people would be a little bit confused if you know what I mean yeah maybe so maybe but look I I would I would mess around I I'm in full favor of them messing around with new closers this year just you know, yeah, get, getting away from lead better and indifference and, and a cover close and, and trying to find something else that, that, that works. But this actually closes this set with footsteps and it almost didn't close with footsteps. It almost closed with times of trouble. Cause that's what Ed started right. singing and joking about. <laughs> The story's sort of being circulated. I think the Zurich show was that past week, so he's starting yeah. to open up about the band's history a little bit more, and he tells the Mamasan and what it's about, and that there were a collection of songs that Stone and Jeff came up with before he had joined, and uh, that takes us into the song closing the show. It's just Jeff. Jeff sounded really good in, in Footsteps to Close. I, I just I couldn't get off of that. That Jeff's bass just really shined during it. This is the way footsteps is kind of meant to be played, you know, pre harmonica. Yeah. You know, it's 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 got a a somber tone to it. It's very moody, I guess, kind of similar to that. But like, it's it's got that kind of edge to it where you feel like the song is it's it's almost like got an evil kind of quality. Like it really he really taps into the the serial killer, you know, theme behind it. You know, it's it's I really like the like it when they play it like this. Yeah, when you get it when you get it played live now, it's more, you know, it, it's turned into a sing along. Instead, it's a folkier right. thing now. Yeah, right. Yeah, where people can kind of attach themselves to it, and people are singing the lyrics and and sort of relating to it. Where you know, I don't think a lot of people can necessarily relate to everything that's going on in the song, but it. uh it is definitely more relatable now than it was then. And it's just a little, a little switch, a little switch up from, you know, just changing and bringing in our harmonica and, and making a song more singable, but people, you know, it's tough to realize that sometimes. So, you know, just pointing it out there for everybody, but that takes us to picking some top songs for this show. So yeah, think, uh, think about it too. How many sets have, have started with even flow and ended with footsteps. That's kind of probably unique, none. It's kind of a unique uh, bookend there. I don't. I think that I would. I would venture to say, and I can check on the stats on this. I think that this is yeah. probably one of maybe two to three times that Footsteps has closed the show. Uh, yeah. It has closed the show twice. Let's see what the other show was, and that could have been marked as something else. Um, in California of '92, it, it closed the show. Hmm. So, 
Okay. Definitely, this is the last time that we've ever seen a close the show. So yeah, definitely a special moment. Are you adding it to your three or? Um, I it's it's almost there. I think my three are rocking in the free world, which I I talked about endlessly when we when we covered it just a few minutes ago. Uh, fantastic version. Uh, black. I gotta go with with uh, the we belong together. The way it builds up, just the power behind it, and. I'll say, uh, throw your arms around me with, uh, with a special mention to all the kind of in between song stuff that we talked about. Like that's the king thing that kind of makes this, this set special for me is yeah, you get a hard to imagine tease, you get a bad mouth tease, you get help me Rhonda, you get the whole thing with drinking out of the shoe and I'm crazier than you. There's a lot of, a lot of in between stuff that I think makes this, makes the set stand out and the, the preset is great as well you know, for it to get an, an early preset like this. Yeah, I agree with that. I think those things are more important. I think the story surrounding the show and what happened before and what happened after are way more important than the show itself and way more noteworthy. But, um, you know, part of part of the time period that it's in. But my three, I'm going to go with the other one. I'm going to go with Driven to Tears. Uh, I had a little percussion on that and it sounded really good. Once I think was really good from this show, and I also really liked Rocket in the Free World. But I'll give yeah. a little bit of a nod to Leash and Suggestion and those things. So there are a lot, All right, cool. lots of stuff that are good from the show. Well, my, mine are better, but that's okay. You you keep thinking that, pal. <laughs> uh, what do you what do you rate it? Because we kind of mentioned it before. Yeah. Is there going to be some contention in the ratings here? Yeah, yeah. I'm going to give it a nine, man. Okay. I, I thought this was fantastic. It's it's just a notch below your your Pink Pops and Zurichs and those those iconic shows from this era. I, I, I think it's a, one, of the, one of those hidden gems from, from this era, and I think it was great. I highly recommend uh, everybody going and checking it out. I think I'm going to try to do um, – I think we're we're gonna work out something to, to give away this bootleg sometime this week if we haven't done it already. Yeah, let's do it. I'm down for it. I like the giveaways. Uh, I'm not gonna give it too bad of a rating because I still like the show. I just think that maybe it was just very standard for 1992, and I expected maybe a little bit more. And yes, the Help Me Rondas and the Fugazi stuff like it helps it a little bit, but also I'm not huge into Fugazi. I'm not yet. Well, we will see at the end of the year, if that, if that's one of your goals at the end (laughs) of the year, should I know more than three Fugazi songs that I'm just saying in, in on the kill taker is better than almost any Pearl Jam album. That that's a hot take. Yep. That is an interesting take, but all right then. One of my favorite albums of all time. Okay. Um, I'm going to give this an eight. I think this is a very good show, but I hold it a little bit of a notch below your Den Hogs and, and Zurich's and, and those, I, I, I like this, but I think that there are stuff that I was a little underwhelmed by. I was a little underwhelmed by the improv that they did. I, you know, when I think and see an improv in a set like that, I, I, I'm expecting a little more and I'm expecting them to really do something different, but it just, it felt, if it was normal, it was fine. It, you know, I think those things are what I get 
excited about in sets and you know the release footsteps combo to end was really cool but it didn't really do the set justice i think they could have closed out with rocking in the free world and it would have been fine and used those songs in other spots and uh actually rocking in the free world would have worked because of how the whole set was but it wasn't a slow set at all so yeah just kind of mixing those in elsewhere would have would have worked a little better but that's really that's meaningless stuff but eight Hmm. eight eight's good for this okay that's that's i was afraid you were gonna give it like a i was afraid you were gonna give it like a six and a half no so i'm 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 glad to see it at least uh at least it's up there with, with some of the better ones um next week hey we talked a little bit about him in this episode and we're going to talk about him a lot next week because that's going to be the focal point it's going to be fairfax 1994 the day that kurt cobain was found dead and um that's kind of an intense show to do it was a patreon request from jed garfunkel so we were happy to oblige and uh yeah are are you ready to do that one it's going to be it's going to be a challenge Oh yeah, I mean, uh, I love that little '94 run. I've talked about it before. Like, yeah. you get kind of it's kind of the beginning of the Vitalogy era, and it's they were they were becoming a different band. And yeah, that I you know I, I distinctly remember that era. You know when when Kurt was found and how huge that was. And yeah, I have to go back and watch hype and uh, get a feel for it. Um, all the stuff that was going around that time. But yeah, it was you can't you can't overestimate how how big a deal that was you know it was to be for us who were those of us who were 15 16 at that time it was that was our whole world man yeah i wasn't around for for it i don't remember that era but you know obviously the impact that it's made has has been everlasting so it'll it'll be it'll be interesting and and a little bit difficult to talk about at times because it was a tough show for eddie and the band to get through obviously with everything that's going on and uh, yeah yeah only a couple days after that that snl performance so we're gonna have to bring that up of course yep Yep. so all right so that that that's your that's your quarantine homework everybody is go watch that snl performances yeah do it we're able to to take a look at our numbers and thanks to everyone who's been going back and listening to the old episodes and checking those out that that means a lot you know we we're getting to to 75 up here in a couple of weeks so got kind of a little history there i've only been around for a little less than half of it so um but yeah thanks to everybody who's who's been spending some time with those with the back catalog as they say we know that this is and it's kind of a good and it's kind of a bad thing because we know that people can go back and listen to any show at every time. And it's kind of evergreen, but also that there are going to be things in those episodes like, Hey, there's a t-shirt sale or, Hey, there's this. And obviously those things aren't happening anymore. But, um, you know, again, you know, whatever you can get your hands on back to, you know, really early stuff with Matt and I, or some of the stuff that John and Buckley have, have done, uh, you know, that's, that's all good stuff and it's all for everybody in our archives. So if there's anything that you're thinking of and asking, have you guys covered this? Just let us, let us know, drop us a line on our social medias or at live on four legs podcast at gmail.com. Those places. So definitely. Until then, this may be the end. We're here, but not for much longer. And although we may be parting ways, I miss you already, and I miss you always. And you know what? If you want a Live on Four Legs sticker, 
send us an email and we will send you a live on four legs sticker. How about that? Sounds good. Email us and let us know what you think of the show and we will send you a sticker. And that's how we'll know that people are listening. Anyway, uh, for Randy and John and Stockholm 1992, we will see you next time. I'm Ted Leash saying goodnight. night.